Welcome to the Real Estate Fight Club, a podcast for agents where you'll witness a battle of opinions about topics affecting your real estate business. There are many ways for agents to achieve success. The secret is to find which approach will work for you. Now, always in your corner, here are your hosts, Jen Mertland and Monica Weekly. You said you wanted more leads and you want them calling you. Well, we found an automated lead engine system called Refocus CRM. So this system will get buyers and sellers calling you directly. All you have to do is answer the phone, but they not only help with buyer and seller leads calling you, Refocus CRM also helps with your website, automated templates to your sphere and incoming leads, social media management and ad campaigns, online reputation management and weekly masterminds with packages starting at just 197 a month go to refocuscrm.com slash fight club to schedule a free demo welcome to this episode of real estate fight club we are going to talk to rachel real of rachel real estate in chicago today and find out if we're going to realtor jail today's topic is dual agency hey rachel hey jen how are you I feel like we have just like at its face value, you're against dual agency. I'm pro dual agency, asterisk, asterisk. Right, Right. Um, all the footnotes below, right. Yeah, but let's talk about it in this market. Some of the cases you've seen coming through, like give us some context. I think let's talk about like, what is it and how it can come up maybe first. So with the climate of the current market, we're seeing buyers do all kinds of things to try to get a home. So they're contesting listing agents directly. They're knocking on a seller's door. They're doing all kinds of things that they normally wouldn't do. So we're seeing more dual... They're totally desperate. So we're seeing more dual agency deals now too because of this and the problems that come along with it. So, But I also think we're going to see more too because of the legislation where the Department of Justice is really harping on the buyer broker commission I feel like that the buyers are going to translate that into, well, if I go directly to the listing agent, I'll get a better deal. Well, and that's part of the problem is that the agents aren't having those conversations with their sellers and with their buyers based on a buyer agency agreement or a listing agreement. And our listing agreement in my market, they're coming out with a new one very shortly that's going to change the way we discuss compensation in a listing agreement. So you've got procuring cause arbitration have increased because of all of this. And you've got 180 days to file. So, you know, we're about 180 days, a little more than that behind what's happening. So we're a little behind there, but we're now seeing those because of all these things. Brokerages are retaining both sides of the brokerage fee and possibly doing that when their listing agreement doesn't allow for it. And listing agents aren't having appropriate conversations. So we've got all kinds of... No one would solve this? Oh God, say it, Jen. Just say it. Buyer agreements. Oh my God, get them well, signed. That, but I am also going to say on this in this particular situation, the listing agreement and the conversation that that listing agent is having with the seller is paramount here because it's a huge problem. So right now in our listing agreements, and I suspect most are pretty similar to this, it says, here is our brokerage fee. Right. It's a total of X. You're going to pay X to the listing side of the broker for the listing side of it. And the listing brokerage is going to pay the buyer side X. They're going to share. Here's, and here's the total. They're, right. We're, right. You're going to pay us this. And then we're going to take part of that and send it to here. 
So our new listing agreements are coming out that says it's going from about this big on the sheet of paper to about this big. So like, so they're yeah. breaking it down by a whole heck of a lot here, but uh-huh. right. But it's going to lead to those listing agents having that conversation with the seller that they should have been having for the last several years anyway. Sure. That being, here's what I charge to you as the seller for the listing fee. Well, now mm-hmm. we're not talking about the whole thing. We're talking about my portion. Right. My here's my that. fee as the listing to work here's for you. Here's my fee. And here's, right. And here's what I'm doing for you. What do you want to pay the buyer broker? And when you ask that question to a seller who has interviewed a couple of agents, they're like, well, what do you mean? They look at you like you have three heads because no one has asked this question yet. Right. And then you have to explain, this is why we have to ask this question because you have a choice as to what you want to pay that buyer's brokerage. But the issue is going to also... So regardless of how our listing agent or listing agreements are, are set up, regardless of how they're set up, that question is still required to be asked. Yeah, but then they're going to say what's customary, what's normal, which the DO, the Department of Justice also has a problem with. But back to dual agency. They do. A lot so, of ag- no, so the answer to that is I've created a custom report in our MLS that says I can pull up an entire town. So I enter a zip code, it pulls out all the listings. And then the last column is what is the co-op compensation being offered? Got it. Here's the report. Here's what, what every other person in this town is offering currently with their sale. X, right. X plus a half, X plus three, whatever. And then they can go, okay, now I can make a decision based on that. And you're also going to have to go through a listing agreement. Right. And because there's like less number of listings, right? There's also less number of agents, but there's less number of listings. You're going to have, I believe more agents offer, Hey, if I like a variable rate. So if there's another agent, the charge could be this, but if I, if I'm the agent on both sides, then it's a lesser charge. And I think we're going to get more well, of that coupled you. with the buyers going directly to the listing agents. Absolutely. So to your point, that listing agreement now, it's what do you want to pay the listing brokerage? Here's what I charge you. What do you want to pay the buyer brokerage? The, the third section is now, if there's an unrepresented buyer, let me explain what that is. Right. Unrepresented buyer calls me on the phone and says, I don't want an agent. I just want to buy this house. Can you help me? I can now act as, an, as a non-agent for an unrepresented buyer. What is now the total fee going to be for if the, in that situation? That's insane. That's, not that's the same. transactional, like representing a transaction. But a lot of states, well, first, a lot of states don't well, allow dual in, agency. in Illinois. Well, in Illinois, you are allowed to do dual agency, but you're not allowed to be a transactional broker. So in Florida, you represent same the transaction Ohio. as a whole. Right. Right. In Illinois, you don't do that. You have agency. So you're, you're representing seller, buyer, or dual, which I prefer not to do. I want to talk about like a couple of pros, a couple of cons of dual agency. And then I want to talk about the possible code of ethics violation with it. Where do you want to start? Give us... There are no pros to dual agency, Jen. You're wrong. You're wrong. Okay, give me a pro. Give me a pro to dual dual agency. Okay, here's a pro. Considering... Okay, so keep in mind, keep in mind what this new listing agreement, and I'm sure, again, many of them are going to... It's happening on the West Coast, Oregon, I think in Canada have already restructured there. So it's, it's working its way across. So when you take that listing agreement, you can break it down by those four things. Dual agent or listing agent, buyer agent, if there's no agent or a dual agent. So you can break that down and you're going to have that all listed in there. Yeah, I think it's ripe for disaster. But here's the thing. Thank you. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. done. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's like, okay, well then why would I have an agent? Because you're going to do the paperwork anyway, which most agents tr- work for free, basically work for free because they don't well, know their part job of, and they don't know their value proposition. 
Well, and part of this conversation then around this new listing agreement and a new buyer agreement is going to be relaying that value to your client and saying, this is why you need to hire, you need to have representation. If someone calls me on the phone for a listing that I have and says, I want to see it, my first question is, do you have an agent? Uh, yes, I do, but I don't want to bother them. It's a Sunday. Well, you understand this is their job, right? You're calling me to bother me on a Sunday, but maybe you should call your own agent if you have one. That's one conversation. Even the better, other one is, no, is I don't have agent, one. I don't want not, yeah. well, Right, exactly. Who is your agent? Who's your realtor right now? Oh, I don't have one. Well, and I don't want one because I just don't want one. I could get a better deal if I go through you. Well, then the conversation is, well, no, not necessarily because that listing agreement that I have with my seller is completely independent of what is being paid to a buyer's broker. Right. So that may or may not be the case. So if you do have an agent, then you need to give them a call. Who is it? I'll make a call for you. Yeah. And we've talked about this in (laughs) some of the Better Call Saul episodes that we've done with Saul Klein about how to have these conversations, how to level up your business, your real estate business, that you're a professional, right? So like you got, you have to do better every year, like every time do better. And I think dual agency, here's my perspective on dual agency. One, I am normally a listing agent. Okay. Two, I'm a great listing agent. Like I think I'm the best. So I know I'm the best. I got stats to prove it, but (laughs) it's like, okay. So if I am a dual agent and I'm helping the transaction and helping the buyer and seller meet on something that makes sense for both of them, it's going to be a much smoother transaction than 90% of the agents in the marketplace that only sell five houses that are more worried about their commission than these clients. And that's why I think... Well, let me, let me, so let me ask you this though. What about no agency? So essentially it's the, the way of, and I don't want to say doing dual agency without doing dual agency, but it's, it's getting to the same end goal with, the, yeah. with that particular buyer being not represented if they choose not to be. Because and honestly, so dual agency, most of the buyers don't want to be represented. They're just doing it as a means to an end. And that's the hard part, right? Because I think as a listing agent, you have to... That has to be a variable rate on that end too. And it has to be a higher commission yes. rate because even though I'm not representing that buyer and their benefits, I have to help them get through it in order yes. to have agency relationship with my with the seller. And the, right. You're sitting at the yes. home inspection. You're you're handling negotiations not. back and forth. You're you're act well, you're well, and here we have to sit at home inspections. Oh. So you're sitting at a home inspection, you're taking on all of that additional work that that other agent would be doing if there was another agent there. So yes, I agree. There well, should be that compensation in that listing agreement. Mm-hmm. You're filling in the blanks, right? You're saying, here, here's the blanks. How do you want me to fill it in? I can't guide you, I can't do anything, but you're telling me you want no representation. So this is what I can do for you. I can fill in the blanks. Let's talk. Yeah, and I think that that is like an important distinction that I want to pull out there. If the if you represent one party and you because this can happen the other way around, you represent the buyer, the for sale by owner that your buyer is buying doesn't want an agent. So you do not do not represent that seller. I see so many agents that try to like. Be like, pretend like everybody's their client. They are not right, no. your client. And, and when and in that situation where it's reversed and you're representing the buyer for, for sale by owner, that you have a form for that. There is a form for that. Yep. So there is also a form for that buy side. I don't know why it is that in this industry, we use all the forms on the listing side, but right. we don't touch those forms on the buy side. Get a form. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Get a form. Now, there has been times... <laughs> we have a lot like, of them. We have a lot of forms. Yeah. 
There have we been times forms. and this is where we can transition into the potential code of ethics violations. So there have been, I, w- I can think of at least two times where I represented the seller, the buyer came in, they didn't, they wanted a dual agency and I said no. And I, I said they should get, so then they became unrepresented because they didn't want another agent. I said, no, I have two right. questions for you. One, do then as the listing, because the listing says the full commission is the total amount. Do I then capture the total amount or do I only capture, is there like a listing side amount or it depends on how it's written is first question. It's a, well, right. So, so to that question, unless your listing agreement specifically states, if there is no buyer agent or you have an unrepresented buyer, then that listing brokerage can capture all of that. They can't. So right now, as our current listing agreement states, it says, here's the total fee. X percent is for the listing side. X percent is for the buyer's brokerage side if there is one. It doesn't say if the buyer is unrepresented. So in that case, no, but that's what's happening. That's what's happening. So you definitely have to check your contract. Right, and this new listing agreement will fix that entirely. Yeah, because but you now then, have to have that conversation. Well, it's coming out like in the next week or two. Not well, even for you guys, but you know, yes. there's an old saying yes. about like if the world is ending, move to Ohio because it'll be seven years later or something like that. Like in- <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the last of the- it moves from from west to east, but it skips Ohio and then circles back. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So right. But I think this is like a real point, right? Because we are going to have more unrepresented, yes. even if you're a person like me who believes in dual agency, it doesn't always make sense to be a dual agent. So in those particular cases, that buyer, I got a weird feeling about those buyers. And I was like, you know what? This yeah, I was is gonna ask right. you what what made you say no to dual agency? Because they seemed, I want to say litigious, but I don't know if that's the word. They just seemed like they were gonna mm-hmm. be a headache. And you know me. I prefer no stress and I don't, no, no, I don't no drama, need the right. headache. Yeah. Right. So, and they ended up being a headache. So I was right. But let's say I had taken on that as dual agency and there became an issue. What are the codes that we need to know? Well, here's the thing. So for the most part, you're looking at article nine and article nine states, realtors shall the, for the protection of all parties shall assure whenever possible that all agreements are in writing. I'm paraphrasing here, and that everybody has copies and everything. So if you're going to act as a dual agent, you better have that in your listing agreement that the seller has signed off on. Then you have a a notice from an agreement to dual agency from the buyer, and then you have a confirmation of consent to dual agency from both parties. So both parties have to sign off on this twice. And if they're not, if you're not doing that now, it you might want to check your license law and make sure that that seems like overkill. This is like making an addendum for every detail that's written in the contract. That's the most annoying thing about real estate. It's like, it's already in the contract. Well, because, Why do we have an addendum? Because here's the thing. If I meet with a seller at, one, at in May for a listing agreement and we don't sell the property till August, let's just say this isn't this market. It's a normal market. We don't go under contract till August. Things may have changed for them. There may be a situation where they thought, hey, in May, when we, when we talked about this, yeah, I'm fine with that. But then come August, you've got five offers and you're trying to figure out all of this stuff going on now, then you, and you've got one that's yours, then you have to sit down with your seller again and say, okay, we talked about this in May. Here's what the situation that we're looking at now. This person wants me to write an offer. We have four current other offers. Do you still, are you still comfortable with that? Right. If they say, Hey, you know what? No, I've heard horror stories. I talked to my uncle. My uncle says, no, then you know what? No, you're not doing it. So then you don't have that confirmation of consent. 
but there are two separate forms for that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Is there another code that we have to I would go to article one. I mean, you're a fiduciary to your client. So for me, and this is for the most part, why I don't do dual agency. If I meet a client, I know somebody first, whether it's my niece that I'm representing on a buy side, and I may have a listing. I've known my niece longer. Obviously, if I put my neighbor's house up for sale and I get a sign call, I know my neighbor first. There's always the fiduciary that you're, you're in a fiduciary position for your client. And you, there's no way you can represent two people in the same transaction evenly. And to the extent disagree. that they both want you to disagree, we, we can disagree. We can I don't disagree. think we're ever going to so in those situations. No, no, we probably won't. And I mean, I had one got the one time I did dual agency, which was got maybe four years into my career. So it was a long time ago. It was the, it was the most ridiculous thing. They, I had a listing, super nice, original owners, super elderly people. The wife found out or they moved into an assisted living place. So I put the property up for sale. Did an open house, very nice people, also an older couple came into the house that I was sitting and they said, well, this one isn't for us. And I said, well, you know what? If you're talking about what you want to do to a house, you want to do some renovations and make it your own. I said, I've got another listing that I could show you that might actually be a really nice house for you. So they looked at it. Everything went through, was lovely. In the meantime, after we listed the property, the, the elderly seller was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died literally within eight weeks. I mean, it was the fastest thing you'd ever seen. So the husband is left and the husband actually died about two weeks later. It was one of those, I think that was like, he died of a broken heart kind of thing. But in the meantime, we close. My buyers were from Sweden and had gone to Sweden, came back to an entire lower level full of water, like three feet of water. Yeah. And I said, okay, so tell me what happened. I called the the literally gentleman seller. And I said, well, you said you have a, a battery backup sump pump. I'm just trying to figure out what happened. Oh yeah, I do have a backup, but when it's raining and the pump goes out, I have to crawl into the crawl space and hand pump it. Oh no. Yeah. Now that's not something I ever, ever thought I would have to ask a seller is, is your battery backup a hand pump? Right. But now I know. I mean, and I probably sound like it. Do you have to do any kind of, well, because I represented both sides of it. So it put me in a spot where this, where my buyers were like, well, wait a minute. Didn't he disclose that? And I just, I didn't like the feeling of being in this spot where I knew I had absolutely, there there was nothing I did incorrect or inappropriate in that situation. But these poor buyers came back to a house full of three feet of water that had been standing there for a long time because they were gone for three weeks. Yeah, that's not good. That's gross. That's really not good. And had we known that there was an issue with the backup sump pump that had to be manually operated, you could have done they something. They probably would have put a backup in before, right, before they went out Agreed. of the property. But I think, see, in that same situation, me as a dual agent, I would be happy that I was because a lot of agents freak out when bad things happen to their the client. Mm-hmm. But see, I don't freak out. And because I know them, like I feel like I can be a stronger fiduciary to both parties because I'm not concerned about myself more than I'm concerned about them. True. But now if you look at the first sentence of article one, it says when representing a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other client as an agent, realtors pledge themselves to protect and promote the interests of their client. Singular. Oh, your innocence is so cute. Look, if I, know, I have, <laughs> if I only do five transactions a year, that means each of those transactions represent 20% of my annual income. And you're, I'm going to represent you as a seller or buyer or whatever. Am I more worried about you or am I more worried about feeding my kids? I'm more worried about feeding my kids. 
if you're more worried about feeding your kids, then you probably need to get out of real estate and maybe get a job that's going to pay yeah, right. you a regular if salary. Everybody got out of real estate. I mean, that would be everybody, basically. I mean, 90%. It, would, it would be close. To, it would be close to it. I mean, that's the first way a car salesman's going to lose me. And it's happened before. Hey, you know what? If I don't, if I, you know, if you don't buy this car, I'm not going to be able to feed my kids. Mission See ya. Bad. I'm out the door. Right. Yeah. I mean, that just, it's desperate as I'll get out. I mean, your job is a fiduciary. You've got to represent your client's best interest. It doesn't matter if it's your best interest or not. That goes back to the same question of when you're back in the old days, when we didn't have the internet, you could sit there as an agent and it's in the code of ethics that you cannot do this, but an agent can't sit there and decide whether or not they're going to show a particular property based on the amount of compensation that's being offered. So they can't look at it and go, well, if you're only paying me X percent, I'm not going to show this house because I'm not going to make enough money. I'm not going to show them that much. Because no. if I have a if I have a buyer and I have a buyer agreement and I say this is the fee that I charge and if there and we've talked about this on the podcast before if right. let's say I charge X and their seller currently is only paying Y whatever that gap is you're responsible for it because you're you have responsible that for I it, get right. paid X and they're only paying right. Y so exactly look, and, if, and if you as an and if you as an agent choose not to enforce that that's totally fine too and but know. now think about. It, no, I mean, oftentimes you don't. I mean, look at look at the difference between X percent at, at two hundred fifty thousand. I can concede. and that same percentage at eight hundred thousand. I'll concede I mean, if you don't want to enforce it. That that's your business. But here's my top it, takeaways. It's a business decision, right? Here's my top takeaways, so we don't have a lot of people end up in realtor jail. One, if you represent the buyer, have a buyer agreement with them that dictates out the fees and yeah. this everything, the whole agreement, like a listing contract, but for a buyer. Number two, if you right. represent the seller and you don't have this in your contract, talk to your broker about putting it in there for unrepresented buyers. And I would argue that you should have a variable rate and have it increase, have your side of the transaction fee, the transaction increase. Do you have any other takeaways? Right. And, and even in our current listing agreement, we have we have the, the small section that's, you know, here's the total, here's how it splits out. But there's also a, an empty line for special compensation information. Right. So you could handwrite that in there, but now they're splitting it out just because it needs to be far more clear than it is. And it could even be a type of extra commission is also a transaction fee, right? So an unrepresent, you could do your fee that you charge for the listing to represent the seller. And then you can do the transaction fee if there's a buyer that's unrepresented. What do you think about that? You need to check your license law because here in Illinois, we can charge a brokerage fee or a commission. You can't charge a transaction fee. So oh, we have okay. to call, if you do do that, you call it additional commission. It is additional commission. So it and depends that's the on, line it's under. Right, but you cannot, you cannot call it a transaction fee. So just make Whatever sure Whatever you that, want, got to call it. Right. But I'm saying, right. I'm Whatever saying you have it, doesn't have it, right. a, it doesn't have to be a percentage. It doesn't have to be a percentage. Be a flat. Right, right. It yeah. can be however you want or however your broker, di- you know, dictates that it, it should be. Yeah. Rachel, if people would like to get a hold of you, if they want to say that their team, Rachel Real, not Team yes. Merland. No, <laughs> They have a, or they have a referral for you in Chicago. What is the best way? Best way to reach me is by my cell phone at 630-542-8688 or via email at rreal at dealwithreal.com. Awesome. And if you're an agent and you want to find out how to partner with Monica and I, so we can help you level up your business and build your business around your life instead of your life around your business, give us a call or text at 513-400. One six nine one. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Jen. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Fight Club podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get updates when new episodes are available. And we truly love feedback and would appreciate all likes, reviews, and suggestions for future topics.